Okay. Hey, everyone. This is Chris Benton from the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with artists. But today we're doing a segment called State of the, of the Music Business. And we've done several of these in the past. And we decided to bring it back because with everything going on with the whole virus thing, we thought, what better time? But we've got a really special guest today. Because usually we bring people from the music, the business side of music onto our show to talk about what's going on in the business side because everybody hears from the artist side. But we've got a special guest today because she's actually on both sides. She's a radio personality, but she's also an artist. So she gets to see it from both angles, and I think it will be an interesting talk to see how it all goes. But Ayla, are you here? I'm here. How are you? I am doing good. And yourself? You. Yeah, this is probably one of the few times that I've actually gotten to put two hats on at once and talk about the business <laughs> side of things and music and not just, you know, sit here and promote my music, which obviously if I have an opportunity yeah. to do that, I will. But to talk <laughs> about the business is, is so important right now because a part of me is like, wait, what business? <laughs> You know, the music business has changed drastically within the past three weeks, let alone the past three to ten years. So it's it's been an interesting yeah. shift. Yeah. Most definitely. And, and you know, we started this um, podcast for State of the Music Business one. Um, and our first one of it was actually Joe Kelly from CDX Nashville. Really. Yeah, and cool. Really cool guy. And we learned so much stuff on that. And because we've done so many interviews lately, we kind of backed off on the on this podcast because we've been interviewing mostly just artists and all that. But I'm like, you know, there's a lot going on in music business right now, and and so many deals are happening, and so you know, so I always like to get people's perspective on that side of it. Like, yeah, like I said, I've got your song uploaded and all that, where later in the show we can play it and all that, and so we can kind of get to know you as an artist and awesome. all that. So tell us a little bit about, you know, a little piece of your story about who you are and what hats you wear. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I feel like once you hear my story, you're going to be like, girl, you need a whole closet for those hats. My goodness. Um, <laughs> so I, I actually grew up and I, I live currently, even though I spent nine and a half years in Nashville, I'm originally from Massachusetts. So I'm a northern uh-huh. girl. Um, I grew up there and. I always loved to sing, but uh, mm. sports was actually my number one passion, and it was one oh, of wow. it was like sports was a ticket for me to get to to college, and I I knew that at a really young age, and I knew that because my dad played basketball in college. He played at Tufts, and even though that wasn't you know he didn't get a scholarship to play, he still played mm-hmm. college ball, and he always yeah. kind of like told me if he always told me if I worked hard enough you never know I could get a scholarship and it's funny because my parents never really pushed that with music they weren't like hey if you work hard enough you're going to get a scholarship to play in the <laughs> marching band or singing like for me it was always sports and I'm I'm really tall I'm yeah. 6 feet tall without any mm-hmm. shoes on so I worked my booty off and I ended up getting a scholarship at the age of 15 to play basketball for Boston College which is in the ACC uh, Division One school my dream college growing oh, wow. up in Massachusetts so it was kind of like an amazing accomplishment for someone so young but I also knew where I was going to go to school so yeah. after that when I was a senior in high school 
uh, my mom came home and she always knew, like I said, that I'd love to sing, but I didn't have much of an outlet to do so because most of Mm -hmm. my time was spent with sports. And she came home one day and she said uh, that the American Idol auditions were happening at Gillette Stadium, you know, where the Patriots play. And we should go try out, you know, thinking she's going to try out, too. She literally has the worst voice, like (laughs) the worst. Um, And I was like, all right. So we stood in line for 18 hours in the pouring rain. And at 17 years old, I got my first golden ticket to go to the next round. and. So back in 2006, season five, I ended up placing 13th overall on American Idol. So I made it through all the rounds, all the stuff where people were, you know, calling in and voting. And it was such a great time in the music industry because CDs were booming off the shelves. You know, people were going to CD stores (laughs) to buy music and um, people, American Idol was the only show where, so many shows out there to choose from and vote for people mm-hmm. and, and listen to talent. But back in the day, Idol was the first and kind of the only yeah. big one. So I was, the exposure was insane. Um, and when I got off of the show and got eliminated, I, I still went and played college basketball for four years and I oh, released wow. some music and um, ended up having a, a CD that was, <laughs> I, I laugh now because it seems so barbaric but it was in every single walmart in the country every single best buy and strawberries and fye in the whole country and that to me is an accomplishment in itself for being like a really kind of indie label type artist and um i'll never forget that going into stores and and being able to buy my cd now obviously things have changed a lot but uh, i graduated from college moved down to nashville decided to do it independently, like uh, mm-hmm. release music, write a bunch of songs, come back up to New England and perform them. And I was doing that for nine and a half years. Uh, I joined a couple tours and then I got a phone call from Country 1025, which is a, a radio station oh, wow. in, in Boston, um, you know, asking me if I would fill in for their co host who was going on vacation. And I never, literally never thought anything of it. I flew up from Nashville to Boston. I was filling Mm -hmm. in for five days. And then a year and a half later, they ended up letting that co-host go and asked if I wanted to audition for the (laughs) full-time job. And I was like, wait, hold on. I'm trying to get my song played on radio. I didn't know I was going to be actually on radio playing other people's songs and having a morning show like where we're having discussions and playing games and stuff and so it was such an amazing weird turn of events in my life and now I live back up in Boston who would have thought I would come home and I'm on the radio every day so yeah I've like flipped the switch and now I wear a weird hat but I love it (laughs) never know where God is going to lead you it's it's crazy twists and turns out there I tell you Oh, you're telling me. I know. Because that's like with us, what we're doing. We actually originally launched New Country Buzz in 2004 as a way to um, be a platform for up-and-coming country artists. Yeah, that's great. We we end up um, interviewing a bunch of different people back then, including Kelsey Ballerini, before everybody knew who she was. Oh, that's great. In fact, it was the five-year anniversary in February that we interviewed her. um, Wow. But in 2015, we shut everything down, and, and, and 
just for personal reasons and kind of was trying to push everything. But once music's in you, it's in you. There's nothing you can do to change that. And I remember I wanted away from it so much that I even let go of the domain, New Country Bud. Wow. And I always always thought that was what set us apart, the the name. And, um, well, every six months I'd look up on GoDaddy and, nope, nobody ain't bought it. Six months later, up, nobody ain't bought it. Six months later, nope, nobody. <laughs> so, end of 2018, I was like, I told Sandy, I was like, you know, um, I feel like we need to finish what we started. Okay, and yeah. she's she's the big country music fan. I've always been a fan of music, but not a lover of music until now. She was the big love. I mean, she kind of. I always joke with people. She brainwashed me in all this music stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but in a good way. That's great. Um, <laughs> But mm-hmm. we relaunched that, but we had no idea then that, you know, we went through the whole, we've got over like 200 artist profiles on New Country Buzz and all that. And the next thing we know, we're like, you know what, we need to do a radio show, an online radio show type thing, podcast, and, but live. I, I, I just, whether, you know, I don't have to edit, to be honest with you. That's probably one of the, you know, I did all yeah. the editing back in 2014. That. I transcribed every interview. Wow. And I think that's one of the reasons I pushed it away because it was just so, you know, because we weren't making money at the point. It was just more of a hobby. I mean, we wanted to eventually make money, but it was like you do a 30 minute, 40 minute, 50 minute interview and it's four hours to transcribe it. You know? Yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of work. I mean, good for you for doing that. But yeah, and I think you know, we've grown so much as a, you know, a radio platform where mm-hmm. now online listening is becoming more of the, Exactly. I wouldn't say the standard because here I am, I work for a radio station and, and obviously we rely heavily on, you know, morning traffic and on having both. people listen in their cars and, and all that and stuff. Y'all, so. And y'all rely on both. We're what? Of course online too, I'm sure. Uh, I'm yeah, sure, yeah, you know, of course. I'm sure, yeah, because you've got the app and all that. So what's great about radio yeah. stations is is y'all are in all this. You really got mm-hmm. the people's attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, they kind which, of can't escape us, whether it be on their home device, <laughs> on an app, on the computer, on our actual radio. I mean, yeah, they can't. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> We're here. We're not going anywhere. So as you've noticed, you know, in the last 10 years, but especially five years, music has changed. What are some of the pluses yeah. and minus of this change that you've seen, both sides of it? I would say the pluses um, are being able to record at least simple demos at home with very nice but simple equipment that won't break the bank and you can kind of teach yourself with you know youtube and stuff like that my boyfriend and i um his name is rob bellamy and we we sing and play together but he knows how to do you know demos on the computer and i just think about it all the songs that we've written all the ones that he's done if we had to send each one away to get demoed by people who don't have the money. Like, we would go out of business yeah. if we didn't teach ourselves. Um, that's one of the, the main things I like. The other one is being, like, artists being able to take control of their own destiny, and it really is a hustle game. So if you know how to hustle and you know how to market yourself and um, create your own sort of fan base and know how to rely on them for income, like, you can make a – Oh, solid living, especially if you're playing out too and you have merchandise and you have a good package mm-hmm. to sell. Like 
when people go to my shows up here, and I say up here because, you know, I'm from here. People know me from when I was on Idol, and um, I don't do a ton of, like, nationwide stuff. I'm I'm pretty solid up mm-hmm. in the Northeast. Um, but, like, when they come to my show, they will see that my name is on the merchandise table. I have a nice tent mm-hmm. set up. Um, my band is dressed appropriately they're either all wearing the same matching t-shirts and or all black you know so it like Mm -hmm. everything you do your your audience and the more you can be sellable the more people Mm -hmm. take you seriously and the more they'll pay but a lot of it has to do with you and I like that there's not as much like, oh, I manage you and I have to make the decisions. And, you know, artists can't call venues anymore. I've been calling venues myself for 15 years. It's not a big deal yeah. and it's not that hard if you have the tenacity mm-hmm. to do it. A lot of people don't. They don't like asking for money and they don't like asking for opportunities. They don't want to step on people's agency. toes. What? We're actually launching a booking agency. Oh, you are? Once all Good. This is over. Once all That's this awesome. is over, <laughs> yeah, and um, and there's again, there's nothing wrong with that. That is awesome. Because we want, you know, again, you know, we know when it comes to the show that it's going to take eighteen to twenty four months to get the right sponsors that will want the to support us. You know, with us being new, you know, you're forty six interview this this year, mm-hmm. and um, so we're only three months in um, of the show. So, yeah. you know, even though we've been around the industry for years, but it's going to take some time to build up the clientele mm-hmm. to, you know, to get the sponsors. So we're like, what can we do to still music related? And, and, we've, and we've been brainstorming and brainstorming. And one of the ideas I've had is, you know what, you know, there are people that are starting to get some traction and they just don't have the time to try to book themselves. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what, Not we can feel that time, need. It's the it's the, what I was saying before, a lot of people don't want to book themselves. They would rather have someone else. And I remember this one time, no lie. I mm-hmm. sat next to on a Southwest flight. I sat next mm-hmm. to Chris Stapleton and oh, wow. I, I recognized him because I saw him play at whiskey jam in Nashville. And mm-hmm. I was like, Hey man, like, uh, what's your name? This was really before he had like any you know huge hits he had a song called what are you listening to that was just kind of coming onto the scene and he's like mm-hmm. oh i'm chris stapleton and i'm like oh that's that's right that's right um where are you where are you going <laughs> and he's like i'm playing somewhere in philly and i'm like oh where at he literally didn't know he knew that he was flying to <laughs> philadelphia on a southwest flight once he got there someone was picking him up and at the time i was singing the anthem uh full time for the 76ers in Philly, the NBA team. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of like trying to feel him out like, oh my gosh, well, if you need any advice on places to go or things to do, like, let me know. And it was so (laughs) funny how he just had no idea at all where he was going and what he was doing. And I think a lot of artists are like that too. But if you can, like, Obviously, Chris Stapleton, everything is totally fine for him. He's now you're breaking <laughs> he's up a little bit. doing very well. But for independent artists who are just kind of trying to make it, I, I think having mm-hmm. that sort of hustle to be able to be a part of every part of your career is good. And I think the yeah. negatives, because you asked me the positives, those are the positives yeah. for me. I think the negatives is just 
um, so many artists. I remember when I moved to Nashville um, in 2011, there was mm-hmm. nobody there. It, like, oh, it wow. was I, – I had meetings with the presidents and CEOs of record labels, and I was just – you know, you could pick up the phone and call and say, hey, do you want to go for coffee or meet for lunch, or can I grab a meeting with you? And they would be like, absolutely, come on down. You know, it's so nice. <laughs> yeah. And um, then that show Nashville came on the scene, and oh, wow. no lie – all of a sudden, everyone wanted to be a pop star in Nashville, and everyone huh. sent, you know, every mom and dad sent their wannabe, you know, up-and-coming country singer to Nashville because they watched the mm-hmm. show, and then it really, like, made the economy change so much down there mm-hmm. because I'm not saying it was bad. It, it, there were good yeah. things about it, but really bad things for the people who have who had been there trying to mm-hmm. make it for so long and they were like really close you know yeah and here all these people are coming in and now people can't afford to pay their rent because it's skyrocketing because the economy and it, it just became a different place so I think the negative part is like that in a way mm-hmm. and yeah. for me it's kind of I don't know, uh, part of me wants wishes that I'd kind of gotten a publishing deal, but then you read these contracts and they're offering no money and taking like all your publishing and you're like, why would I want to do that? I almost retried out for The Voice and I had a contract sent to me to see what it looked like. And like mm-hmm. that contract pretty much says that they own every single song you've ever written, even before you go on the show just by signing it and that's the voice so it's like I don't like stuff like that all the stuff that you've worked or artists have worked really Mm -hmm. hard on to keep and then people just thinking they can take it because their business is struggling too like no one really knows how to make money in this industry right now so labels Mm -hmm. are just trying these these 360 deals where they take a piece of everything and then that leaves the artist with nothing (laughs) Now, what do you think about this, since you're talking about the label side and all that? And I didn't even know this existed until recently, but I've heard that labels, if they got this prize star that they've forked millions of dollars in. And let's say you're an artist and you're starting to up and come, and you're getting noticed. And they see that you, you're kind of in um, going after the same audience, so to speak, as their prize, that they will come and offer you a deal. And when you sign that dot, when you sign that dotted line, because you probably didn't read the contract, then they bent you for three years. Hmm. I've heard several hmm. times that, that that's been, and then in fact that somebody was I, I mentioned this to one of the artists that we interviewed. And I can't remember who it was now, but they said that happened to Reba. I I mean even she, uh, there are, there's there are labels that are notorious for you know every six or so years they say they open up the basement door and they're just like oh who's next all right I guess you are it's time for you even though you've been signed with us for six years yeah I mean basically let's just say you have these amazing songs that these labels have fallen in love with which is why they want to sign you well guess what they mm-hmm. usually won't release those songs they'll make you write with other writers for two years that they want you to write with so you can get your writing 
credits up so they own part of the writing. So, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's a weird. That's why I'm independent. I, I actually, when I moved to Nashville, like the first year I lived there, I got offered a deal from um, Black River, which is Kelsey mm-hmm. Ballerini's label that she's signed with. And, oh, wow. you know, it seemed awesome because here I am living in Nashville and I had been, I, I was signed to an independent record label out of New York mm-hmm. when I was right off of American Idol, which ended up um, going really sour. You know, we parted ways and mm. um, oh, wow. I, I kind of had that sour taste in my mouth. So I, I was hesitant to do anything. And a part of me is just regretful that I didn't but a part of me was like right but if I did I might not be where I am now and who knows how yeah. my life would have changed for good or for bad I don't know yeah. but the deal just yeah, didn't seem like it was for the artists it's for the labels exactly and I remember Joe Kelly when we interviewed him about state of the music business that was something that he talked about he says nowadays if you're an artist and you sign to a deal too early you're screwed so you might not think so he said, but they yeah. screwed you. He said that he's got. He says there's no reason to go to a label nowadays until you, your business gets so big that you cannot handle it. He said that's when a label's good now. He said with all the tools and all that that we have. He says I've got friends of mine that they control their destiny. They control everything. They they know when and where they can be. They don't have to bow to anybody. And he says they're profiting one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, and they're happy. I wouldn't know that. probably shouldn't say this, but there are labels who are signing people just for money. And so, you know, if you come mm-hmm. to the table with a quarter of a million dollars, you will be signed because money speaks. Oh, wow. And here these labels are. And I'm not going to name, <laughs> I'm not going to name <laughs> oh, a specific label. Um, mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it's it's preying on, on those with resources yeah. and not necessarily talent. And I remember when I first moved to Nashville, um, someone who I trusted very, very much, who taught me a lot about the industry, and he was a guitar player mm-hmm. for a bunch of huge stars. Uh, he told me, don't do a showcase and invite labels and, until you are 100% ready, until you are just bursting at the seams with all of your material ready to go because you only get one shot at a showcase and Mm -hmm. a showcase is when you invite labels and and friends and people in the industry to kind of check you out to hopefully sign you, you know, that's kind of how it works. And Mm -hmm. because I was so nervous about that, I never did a showcase in my nine and a half years there because I was like, I get one shot. You know, <laughs> like that Eminem yeah. song, you only get one yeah. shot. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's weird how life works. And But here I am, an independent artist, and, you know, for years I was really great money and no yeah. regrets on, on my end. And I think yeah. you can make it. You can make your hobby into a career, yeah. you know, because if you don't, you you don't treat yourself like a business. It's just a hobby, and you're just playing in front of, you know, your stuffed animals or your family or, yeah. or whatever. But the second that you treat your music and your art like a business and you stop giving it away for free or you stop, I mean, mm-hmm. not saying that's bad. Sam Hunt did that, but also Sam Hunt had written songs for Kenny Chesney. So it's like, come on, he can give it out. Um, 
what I'm what I'm saying is like once you yeah. start treating yourself seriously, other people will too, and I think that that's something that I've taken personally from my life. Yep. And you know something, <laughs> I pray that this is all being recorded because I actually because I, I never come go live like we just did because of course the little mix up. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping that it's recording through the blog talk. I don't know to be honest with you. I can't tell. <laughs> so, I, and this well, has been good. And this has been really good. I hope so too. Because <laughs> I've really I've enjoyed this. So I'm like, this is really going good. Um, because I didn't know it, but I said it for 15 minutes. But we're still in, and I went through the computer kind of seeing if it was, if it was already there by accident. It's still like showing because I got it set private, so you, people can't. Because since we got the beginning and all that, and I'll have to cut the beginning off. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I guess we'll <laughs> either way. We'll bring you back for your for your music if this ends up not being what I thought it would be. <laughs> okay, you got it. That works. It'll, it'll it'll just be a great conversation that we had that people won't know about. If, if, <laughs> again, it may it, it it may be recording. I don't know. <laughs> you know, we don't I'm know. Gonna learn. <laughs> I just know I'm loving this. That's the thing about technology. You never know what's going to happen. I know. And that's been the change, you know. So um, what what do you think now does it take for artists to really get known out there? Because one thing I tell people (laughs) that – that's true. One thing I've noticed is is it's been a lot – it's like a double-edged sword. Although social media can get you um, notice, it's it's a because it, um, all of a sudden you get notice, but now the labels have went one step further. They're always ahead of everybody. Oh, you've got five thousand followers. No, come back to me when you got two hundred. So they yeah, only. I mean, I'm, you yeah. you could be the best singer ever, mm. and they're not in. You know. And they're not going to deal with you because you've got five thousand followers. And well, and that's and, why those things, those social platforms come and go. That I remember, mm-hmm. you know, when I was on Idol, it was how many MySpace followers. Now MySpace is yeah. literally nothing, and the amount of effort you put into even Facebook is kind of obsolete now. I mean, it's it's still a great platform, but you know, with yeah other things it's how many spotify streams and you know how many mm-hmm. instagram followers i personally think that those things come and go and it's how mm-hmm. true are your fans are you know will will your fans stick with you through all of those social changes and support your music because the labels like you said they'll keep raising the bar um mm-hmm. you know and even when i submit my music for certain things. For example, um, last year I represented the NCAA and I went down to the women's final four in Tampa to be an NCAA ambassador, super huge honor. But in order in my application, it asks how many, um, Instagram followers, how many Facebook followers, how many Twitter followers you have. And it's like, wow, I thought you wanted it all (laughs) down. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not ashamed at the amount of followers I have, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, it's like, who cares? But as a business, you yeah. have to think for the NCAA, if, you know, we are, if it's mandatory to do 
you know, five social media posts while we're down there, they want to make sure it's getting to as many people as possible. If someone only has 100 yeah. followers as opposed to 100,000 followers, that's a big difference. Yeah. And and that's like um someone um, – I forget who it was, and I wouldn't say who it was anyway because I don't want – but I had a friend, a Facebook friend, who's part of one of the labels, and he ended up um, private messaging me and letting me know that, hey, since he's seen that we talk with a lot of artists, he says, yeah, he says we've got a guy artist. We've got a duo artist. We're looking for a female artist. He says, if you run into any female artists that have at least 15,000 um, YouTube followers, connect me with them. <laughs> Oh, and I'm thinking, oh, great, I've got plenty of those. Uh, no, I don't. I've, even got, I've got friends that got 100,000 fans on Facebook, but they don't have 15,000 followers on YouTube. I'm sitting there like, right. I'm going like, through um, all my closest ones, of people I really like the best. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, nope, okay, nope, okay, nope, okay, nope, okay. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, if, if YouTube is their new rule thing, very few people are going to qualify there. Yeah, exactly. What a, yeah. What a weird world. And we're talking good. I mean, we're talking one of, a, you know, one of the people was, um, that wouldn't even qualify, which we interviewed, was Holly Tucker. I mean, she is Texas. Hmm. <laughs> and and I, I looked at her because you know, I knew that she had over 100,000 fans on Facebook, and so I went to YouTube. I was like, okay, um, she's close, but she, she didn't. So crazy, you know? yeah. And I'm and I'm sitting there like, my God, you know, what is what? What do they want? And I get it though. Now, it's better for an artist to just disregard that and just do it on their own. And then, like Joe Kelly says, when you get to the point where you can't handle it no more, that's when it's right for a label. Yeah, or if you have enough money to sustain that, I mean, it would be nice. Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world for me, I would love to just do music and tour and not have to worry about all the expenses that it takes to go on the road and to shows. And, yeah, it's crazy. And one thing that I did that I think it might be helpful for, you know, anyone mm -hmm. listening, Hopefully it's recorded. Um, <laughs> yep, is yeah. I actually, it's been good. I found I found sponsors, um, and I don't even know if sponsor is the right word, but partners who partnered mm -hmm. with yeah. me on my two of my releases. So um, I had a patriotic album called Heroes and Hometowns that I released, and New Balance actually paid for the entire recording process. And oh, wow. to them, um, I put the logo on the back of every CD that I got printed. So it says, you know, we support our troops with the New Balance logo. And so for them, it's an advertising write-off because, mm -hmm. you know, they're putting their logo on, on merchandise, right, which ends up being my CD. And then I was like, whoa, that was so successful. I got to do that again. So my next record, I got Texas Roadhouse to – partner with me on my let love in record and it was it's just like an amazing way to think outside the box so you know the twenty thousand mm -hmm. dollars that you're spending on a album can be used in other ways instead of in the recording studio of someone else but obviously if i was made of a bunch of money this wouldn't even be an issue but you know artists <laughs> have to especially at the independent level think outside the box exactly because yeah you know that's one thing, you know, it's like it's a double-edged sword with all this. You've got technology is awesome. 
And, yeah. you know, and it's made it to where the, the average person or average artist, I should say, actually has a chance, you know, yeah. but then, you know, but then again, if, you know, I think even the public, if they go to your fan page and, and let's say they do like you, but you, you've got a thousand fans. I think sometimes even the public starts to judge that because they see, oh my God, look, that guy, you know, Blake has 7 million fans or whatever it's that, you know, and you've got 1,000. So sometimes it's even it's e- even hurts you when you're at the lower level. I think what I've noticed out there as you're talking to people, once an artist gets about ten thousand above on Facebook, it seems like that's a game changer for the public. Oh, well, it just shows that you have some sort of backing and support, and people who think you're actually mm-hmm. cool <laughs> and worth listening to. <laughs> and people wouldn't be following you if they didn't like you or didn't want to hear what you had to say. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky when it comes to that. And I, I try to engage with, you know, people as, mm, well, every time, you know, whether it be through email yeah. or, or Facebook messages or anything like that. Um, it's important, especially at this level. Now, what do you think of this whole women in country situation we have going on because i've been fighting for this for years because you know like you know recently cmt says oh play 50 percent of each and i'm sitting like i've been doing that for years you know what what can everybody why is it so hard for the female artist to rise that's a great question i mean i'm not part of the label side um Mm -hmm. You know, I am part of the radio side. I don't do the programming. We have a programming director, and he's actually been quoted in a lot of these, you know, music magazines and Mm -hmm. trade things by being a pioneer for women. That being said, I think think it still comes down to the labels taking chances on the women. My my theory, my here's my theory, and I don't know if I'm correct Mm -hmm. in this at all, is that generally speaking, Females are purchasers. You know, we love shopping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we yeah. really do. Like, we'll spend money on anything. And um, that goes to concerts as well. And girls yeah. kind of want to go to concerts to have fun and see really good-looking guys up on stage. And that because of that, males know that the females are already going to be there, so they buy tickets. And they can relate to the guys on stage because they're just like them. Um, And I think the females that do the best are those, like, really upbeat party-type artists like your Miranda Lamberts and your Carrie (laughs) Underwood. And, And you know, people have, like, you know, yeah. And, like, when Gabby just came to our Country 1025 Acoustic Live show where we had her, Chris Lane, Kane Brown, Russell Dickerson and Gabby was the only female Mm -hmm. up on stage when she sang her song. I hope like the entire Uh crowd, she absolutely got the most applause. (laughs) Um, And even um, Michael Ray, who was also there was just like, you guys, Mm -hmm. you just witnessed history. You're going to, you're going to leave here saying I saw Gabby Barrett tonight. And it's true. Like, (laughs) She's a force, you know, and she's so young, but she's singing Mm -hmm. really great songs about hurting guys, and and that that stuff works. You know, Carrie Underwood's Two Black Cadillacs and Blown Away and all these songs that work for women. It's awesome. What's funny, when I first heard I Hope, 
I'm as it's going, I'm like, okay, that's different, that's different, and then she does the twist of, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a great, it, it, it is a great song. Because <laughs> my wife and I joked about, I was like, that is the best revenge song for a woman. It is, yes. <laughs> and I think that's why Absolutely. it's become such a big hit out there is women although they might not want revenge I mean some do but most really don't but they love that song because they're like well I can just live through the song <laughs> yeah yeah and and that's the thing I don't know if that's the reason like women aren't getting played on on the radio I yeah. think just in ge- generally speaking if if labels are going to put their money and resources behind anyone they know that having men up on stage money and I don't yep, necessarily agree with it for radio. I wish that there was more of an effort because here I am a female mm-hmm. in country radio. And I really, not only do I want to have the ability to play these up and coming artists, but I want to be yeah. one of those up and coming artists. Too. Yeah. It really stinks. And, and you know, we're going to get into a little bit of your side a little bit. So I'm going to play your song real quick and then we'll come back after that. Okay. Circles round and round we go. Oh, 
Love that song. So where that come you. from? I appreciate it. When, how did that song come together? Um, so I was in a writing room in Nashville, and originally I had brought an idea uh, to a, the co-writer. His name is Eric Halbig, and um, mm-hmm. we I kind of brought an idea about doing a song about alcohol and the label on the alcohol being a metaphor for something. And it ended up morphing into a song about a relationship and wanting to know, like, if you're in the friend zone, kind of, but there's definitely feelings if we're actually going to become more of something with a label, like a boyfriend and girlfriend or something more. And Mm -hmm. I really loved it. The second we wrote it, I was just like, this needs to be recorded like as soon as possible. And I released it a few years ago. Um, you know, most recently my boyfriend and I, we released a project. It's a duo project called make it mean something, which technically is my latest release. But since it's a duo project, mm-hmm. I figured I would send you, you know, my own solo <laughs> stuff. And I'm, yeah. I have another one coming out, uh, a solo song, hopefully soon, sooner than later. It's in the mixing mm-hmm. process sure. right now with a mixer. So hopefully as soon as possible, because I need to have some, some new music out, even though yep. streaming is the only way people listen these days, and it doesn't yep. pay for crap, but oh well. <laughs> and, and and you know what? That's per- perfect lead into what my next thing was. I You know, one of my questions I always ask on this, and I asked Joe Kelly this. I'll give you his answer. Um, okay. Is when you, when you talk to people, and you say, like, what are you buying out there when it comes to music? Most people mm-hmm. that you talk to, I ain't buying music. I'll never buy music again. And yeah. I'll ask Joe, how do we change that per- the perception or do we? And he says, oh, that ship's been sailed. He says, you'll never make money off music again. He said, that's over. Yeah. He said, the only way now is tours, merchandise, and all that. And the sad part is now tours are over until this whole virus thing. Right. I know. So I believe do, do you agree me. I know. That and that the selling is pretty much over? I mean, or how do we, is there, is, will there ever be a way to have people actually buy music again? Or, or is it just going to be just streaming over the years? I mean, that's a tough one. Good question. I think that for country music fans, we're about 10 years behind the rest of the genres in terms of the way Mm -hmm. we consume music. Um, and so I still sell CDs at my shows. I don't sell as much mm-hmm. as I used to. I remember I would have to bring boxes of CDs and I would sell, oh, uh, I would sell boxes of them at a time. It was insane and unbelievable. And I'll never forget those days. And I, I'll never take them for granted again. Uh, but now, I mean, I, I still sell CDs, you know, there's something really cool mm-hmm. about, but you have to be on tour and that's where Joe, I think, yeah makes a great point is that if you're not out performing, people can't buy from you. So when they've connected with you at a show and you make it a point to put on an awesome performance and an awesome show, usually people want to support somehow by buying something. And if you have t-shirts, like I sell a lot of t-shirts too. Uh, I have vinyl records, which is really cool. And I'm glad that those are kind of coming back in style. So whether whether it be CDs, vinyl records, about, right? or T-shirts, I do I do pretty well. But I don't know how long that's going to last. So who knows? Yeah, because I mean it's it's definitely a different world out there. Yeah, that's you're sure. telling me. And 
and my wife and I, we've been a part of a lot of different business ventures in almost every industry you could name. But there's something about music that I've noticed that I don't see. In, I mean, you see it in other ones, but you, don't, you see it more here, and it's the scam artist. How do, we, how do you get people to understand when they're being scammed? There's a lot of artists that get scammed. And it's just, I mean, how, what advice would you give artists on how not to be scammed? Wow, that's a great question. I, ooh, that is an amazing question. So, so that is, you know, that is big. And I, I remember when I was very young, not very young, I was 13, and um, there was a producer out of New York who was working with a guy. My music got thrown, you know, into the, their laps and they Mm -hmm. pulled us in for a meeting. They came and they, they brought me into New York, had me sing and write a song and it was the coolest experience ever. I recorded it in the studio (laughs) and you know, they make you seem like they really want you. And then it was a situation where at the end of the day, when they put a contract in front of my face, it was, Mm -hmm. I had to, my family had to, Hey, it was us paying them for the opportunity <laughs> to work with them. It was not me getting guaranteed. a cent. Correct. Mm. Um, I've also written a song with someone in Nashville, and I went and did a, a demo, which I thought it was just a demo at their, their house. Because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes if people have recording equipment, you'll write a song, and then afterwards they'll put the song together, and you'll go and sing vocals, and you'll have it as a demo. So I record the vocals. Afterwards, she and her boyfriend had put a contract in front of my face and said that they were going to be my producers of that song. (laughs) And I was like, what? No, this is a demo. That's no, I'm not releasing this song. You're not my producers. It was just weird. (laughs) So I, I always feel like me personally, I have a good BS meter, you know, like a bull. Mm-hmm. meter yeah. where I can just sense wrong and I can sense me feeling uncomfortable in a situation. I think mm-hmm. that trusting instincts is really important and to not just do all the glitz and glam of promises and having them be empty promises. I'm very skeptical yeah. when people want to help me because I've been doing it so well on my own for so long. That if mm-hmm. someone says, hey, I want to manage you, my reaction is, how are you going to work harder than I already am? What are you going to be <laughs> doing differently that I can't exactly. while you're also taking 10 to 15% of everything I make? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So once again, I think it goes back to like knowing your worth. If you need help, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like if you need a booking agent, find a booking mm-hmm. agent, but make sure it's a non-exclusive so you can also work with other booking agents. So it basically yeah. tells the booking agent that you're working with, like, shoot, they got to work. They got to work hard to get me gigs or they're not going to get their commission, you know, but if you work with a few different booking artists, I mean, uh, booking people, then, you know, Every, everything, everyone will be happy. You just have to be smart, I think. Yeah. Because, again, like I said, there's just a lot of scam stuff out there. And, and it seems to be more prevalent to the music industry, at least that's what I've seen anyway. And, well, I, and I guess the industry part... is... Oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. 
Uh, go, you go ahead. No, I was going to say the music industry is the only industry, think about it, that preys <clears throat> on people with dreams. It, by yeah. nature, preys on you with a dream because you will do anything for that dream, including mm-hmm. buying Instagram followers, including getting into really bad <laughs> deals, including <clears throat> signing away your life savings to move to Nashville because it has shown us time and time again that if you do these things, you might be a star. And you know, and I always say point. you can find happiness doing what you love mm-hmm. and getting paid for it. You don't have to be yeah. Taylor Swift. You don't. And if you ask Taylor yeah. Swift, she probably is like super happy, but also like really lonely <laughs> too. So I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, about the moving to Nashville, I, I, a friend of mine that we interviewed back in 2014 or 15, one of them, Brandon Maddox, and we were ta- and one of the questions I, I asked him about. Yeah, he's a really cool guy, and we we were I was talking to him and and we, and we were talking about Nashville and moving to Nashville um, about artists and and he said as and actually the question I was asking about what advice would you give, and he said um, the best advice I can give an up and coming artist is build your local base, then build your regional base before you ever consider moving to Nashville. And he said, here's why. He says, when you get here, there's going to be someone better on every corner than you are. He says, I don't care who you are. You could be one of the best out there. You'll still find people on every corner that's better than you. He says, yeah, the Nashville yeah. will intimidate you. So if, if you. And if you don't build your base before you get here, you're going to leave. Whereas right. if you build your local and regional base, now when you get here, you've got your base supporting you while you try to make a name in Nashville. He is absolutely correct, and I know uh, Brandon as well. So, yeah, he's right on – he's hit it right on the head. And I know so many people who've moved down to Nashville and moved right home because, you know, they didn't understand that concept. And, you know, I was really blessed. I was on American Idol. I was playing basketball in front of thousands of people too. Um, I kind of had a bit of an, a bit of a name and back then it was a lot different than mm-hmm. it is now. Cause I really am more regional now than ever, yeah. but you know, it, in 2013, I had my grand Ole Opry debut. I got to play the Opry two different times that year as an independent artist. Like no who does that? You know what <laughs> I mean? And I, I'm not tooting my own horn. What I I'm just yeah. saying, like, you have to navigate Nashville differently than any other place in the world because if if you don't, you'll end up going back to your hometown. And that's not a bad thing either, by the way. I always say yeah. that it's better to be a big fish, a big, big fish <laughs> in a little pond because you can be. And I know people who, like, you know, my, my boyfriend is a really great example. He moved down to Nashville Um, You know, he didn't do any live shows, but he really used Nashville to make connections in the writing world and to write with people for the first time. And he loved every second of it. But before the coronavirus happened, um, he's out playing and gigging all the time and making an Mm. amazing living. And I'm so proud of him because, you know, he could still be down in Nashville writing songs Mm -hmm. and making connections and all that. But 
he's making a really great living doing still what he loves. He knows he still has the contacts in Nashville. So even going to Nashville for a bit and then going home and making a living is not a bad idea either. It's not like you've failed. And I think artists have to remember that it's not a a win lose situation. You're winning if you can pay your bills doing music. So as we end this, um, what advice would you give an up and coming artist that will help guide them over the next couple of years? Oh, no, I don't know. I'm still an up-and-coming artist. I feel like I need help. <laughs> oh, my, I wish someone but, like, you know, the Taylor Swift and, and Carrie Underwood. But she always asks that question because, again, when, when someone like a Taylor says something, they're like, well, of course you can say that because look where you already are. I think sometimes I it's actually more powerful coming from someone who's in the hunt just like they are. Oh, well, that's a good analogy. I mean, I guess keep hunting and – Keep fishing, keep swimming. No, I'm I'm kind of being serious, but I think oh, yeah. my biggest my my biggest advice, and I've said it before, and I would love to conclude it again because I I tell people this a lot is when you can make your hobby into a career, you've made it, and you will continue to make it one day at a time, and mm-hmm. you'll be able to piece together. Um, a music career and if that's what you want amazing if you know producing people is what you want that's a different avenue if writing songs is what you want a different avenue but in order if you want to be an artist and someone out there making a living doing this um, Mm -hmm. you know you 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 have to take your craft seriously and other people will too I've, I've definitely noticed that and it hurts to to ask for opportunities and it sometimes hurts to ask for money you know and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but people love music and they love entertainment and even if you let's just say you do a free show I always ask okay you know I understand there's not a budget or there's a limited budget can I set up a merchandise table you know if the answer is yes then I know going in all right (laughs) cool Uh, my goal is to sell (laughs) this many t-shirts and let's see if I can do it. And you kind of make these, these goals and these challenges yeah. for you because at the end of the day, you want your music to be heard, but you also want to do yeah. nothing else in your life yeah, exactly. except music. That's really great way to end this. And you know what? I'm so glad that you came on. I just hope, cause this is really good today. I, 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 I can't guarantee this recorded. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah send me an email after this if it did not <laughs> or if it did let me know <laughs> i mean either way we'll be bringing you back on specifically um for your music side anyway uh, okay, whether it did or works. didn't if you know what if it didn't it's a really great conversation between two people <laughs> yeah that is true <laughs> that, that, i know thank you and i feel like i got a new friend here which i love that for sure absolutely but anyway, just in case it did record, tell anybody how they can reach out to you. Sure. You can find everything on com. That's A-Y-L-A Brown.com. Um, you know, continue to support your local artists. And if you happen to stumble upon my music on Apple Music or Spotify, just, you know, give it a listen and let me know what you think. You know, it was great having you. And we'll try to book you in in the next week or two for the music side. How's that? That works. Thank you so much for your time. (laughs) All right. We look forward to talking to you soon. All righty. Bye. All right. Bye.